0: That might be just a, a bit echoey. Jay, I'll let you fix it up. Um, I've always been impressed by uh, <clears throat> certain, certain, certainly people who involve themselves in some amazing sporting feats. And uh, we watched the Olympics recently. We watched the Paralympics recently. And, and there were some impressive um, uh, feats that some of those Olympians produced, didn't they? And um, there's a couple of guys in America that I've always been impressed, and some of you would know their names. And they're a father and son team called... Um, the son is called Rick Hoyts, so the father is called Dick Hoyts. And um, they, uh, together, have completed over 64 marathons. If you know what a marathon length is, it's over 42 kilometres. Oh, there's a picture of them already. Okay, that's cool. Um, we can take that off for a sec. <laughs> But they've completed over 64 marathons, uh, 206 triathlons, 204 times they've done 10 kilometers. They've run across America in 45 days, traveling to 3,775 miles, that's miles, in 45 days together. They've done some incredible things. They're legends in the sport of marathon and running and... And it's just an impressive uh, um, uh, portfolio of what they've achieved on the running running track, in in, in the running field. And the amazing things about these two men, is what you've probably guessed and seen already, is that Rick, the son, can't run. Uh, In actual fact, he can't even walk. Uh, In fact, he can't even speak. (laughs) In actual fact, his whole body function, he can't look after himself at all in any way, shape or form. And the reason that that is the case is because when he was born in 1962... For quite a length of time in the birth process, his umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck, starving his brain of oxygen, and thus disabling him of any body function when he was born. It, 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 it took away, it killed some of those brain cells that were necessary for proper body function, speech and movement and all those type of things. It was very sad, of course. Very sad indeed. Uh, but the wonderful thing is, is that they found out that while Rick's body was, didn't work properly... Um, his brain was quite normal in the sense of his intelligence. And he finished high school. He'd done a university degree. He completed all those things. And, uh, and so he, it was like this man, a normal man, trapped in a body that didn't work. You can appreciate That was a fair bit of frustration for him and his family, but they got through it. And at the age of 15, how the running started was at 15, Rick conveyed to his father... And said, I'd like to do the local five charity fun run. Can we do that? Now, Dick wasn't a runner, but he was a dad. And so he decided, let's do it. And so he bought this three-wheel kind of wheelchair. He he lifted Rick into it, and away they went. And they started something that still hasn't, I I think to this day, they still run. And the great pleasure that his son gets out of running is what motivates the dad. Just to see the joy on his face. And there is a picture there. and We'll put it up and you've seen it already. But, And just the joy of his son being free. Even though he can't do it for himself, his father does all the work. Um, the interesting thing is that Rick relies on his dad for everything. He lifts him, he pushes him, he pedals him and toes him. Um, and Rick has a willing heart, but he could make, make no contribution to the effort. And uh, Rick depends entirely on the strength of his dad and as i contemplated that thought i have to contemplate another thought tonight as well because i believe god wants us for us to do the exactly the same thing rely on the strength of him there's a verse of the bible i haven't got it up there but it just says a common verse it says in proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and 6 it says would you just trust in me with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge me and i will direct your paths that's that's god speaking and saying there's something about trusting in me where you don't lean upon your own ability or effort but you lean upon me just like rick is entirely committed to his father helping him get through life so god says and calls us and makes an invitation to us and says would you rely even on me there's a verse that we are A very familiar verse that all of us are aware of. And it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him. Notice that. It says whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the phrase believes in him, I'm very aware that doesn't go down well in today's society. In this believe in yourself society. This work harder, try harder, climb climb higher, dig deeper kind of society that we live in. Self effort, self reliance is our goal. It it doesn't go down well because the reality is it's not about how much we do, is it? How much we can achieve or even tonight we sing a song, put away your religion, you know, and that's not talking about putting away your faith in God, it's simply talking about don't let your Christian faith or your, your belief system become something that's narrowed down to what you do and not who you are in God. Because I think we could all go there sometimes and think, well, God must be pleased with me because I've done so many good things. God does it not impressed. You could never do anything that would impress him more than tonight. He just loves you as you are. And you can never do anything so bad that would make him lose his love for you. That's an incredible God. He's not always pleased with what we do, but it doesn't make him stop from loving us, doesn't he? And so some people... You know, some people think all paths lead to heaven, Um, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, humanism. Um, And the question has to be asked, do they all lead to the same place? And yet God gets very exclusive and he says, no, they don't because it's in him, as it says in the verse, that we need to believe in. In him, no one else, there's no space or room. And we bring to the spiritual race what young Rick brings to the physical race. And you know what that is? nothing, not a thing. We can't do anything more uh, to earn our, our acceptance by God. And our good deeds cannot carry us across the finish line. Only our Father can take us there, just like Rick's father, Dick, does with his son, a labor of love. And there's a verse in the Bible that goes like this, in Romans 4, 5. But things are different with God. He makes evil people right with himself. And you know what? We've all... Sinned and we all missed the mark that God had for us but the reality is it's not like he then says well you're out of my family no it's the very reason he wants to embrace us because we do fall away and we do fail and we do turn our back on God and then it says if people trust in him their faith is accepted even though they do not work their faith makes them right with God it's a belief isn't it it's a faith in him there's a another verse that says this in John chapter 10, 28, it says, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Does that mean that once we're saved, we're always going to be saved? No, it doesn't. But what it says is once we've committed our life and we're walking with him, no one can take away what God has given to us already. and as parents tonight, if you're a parent, you understand God's commitment to us. When our children stumble, we don't disown them, do we? Or, or when we fail, we don't. Or when they fail, we don't dismiss them. When we may punish them, but cast them out of the family? No way. We don't do that, you know. And it's the same with our God. He doesn't, you know, because we fail, He doesn't cast us out. He doesn't dismiss us. He doesn't throw us away. He's always, it says in the Bible, knocking on the door of our heart. Always asking, will you open the door? He'll never force the door because there's no handle on the outside. It's always on the inside when we've got to take the opportunity to open it and he'll just keep on knocking. He always knocks. You know why? Because he always wants a relationship with us. He always loves us. He always wants to care for us. Um, He's given us his spirit. He takes personal interest in our lives all the time and he wants to see the best for us. And you know, Jesus Christ paid too high a price of his life to leave us uncared for, unloved. But you know, the reality is, is that he looks for us to accept his love. He looks for us. He invites us. He invites us to have eternal security, not just knowing that we're having a great life now on this earth, but even knowing that our security in the future, heaven bound, that we've got it kind of secure because we can only find that in him you know I think that's important it's a real security to know because there's so many people I've spoken to even on their deathbed over my time of life and I've spoken to and there's been a question where do you think what do you think happens after we die and I've had opportunity to share well you know I believe there is a heaven there is a hell and I believe God doesn't want us in hell he wants us in heaven He's reserved heaven for us. But you know what? You've got to make a decision. You've got to take up the invitation that he offers us. Um, Everybody wants to know I have an eternal security in their heart. There was a story of an Air Force pilot. He jumped in his jet pilot, in his jet plane. He went through the checklist. He put his seatbelt over his shoulders but there's one thing that he forgot to do. Is He forgot to secure his seatbelt. He took off into the sky. He's flying along and then he looks down. Even though the seatbelt is over his shoulders, it's not secure. It's not plugged in. He realizes that he hasn't done that, and he goes to plug it in, and then the o- the overriding computer in his jet plane says, "You can't do anything once you're in flight, in motion. You can't you can't undo your seatbelt, and you can't do it up." And so he was stuck. I mean, that would suck the joy out of any flight on an airplane, wouldn't it? Knowing that, because if you have to eject, you know, and you uh, you'll get separated from your seat, and if you're separated from your seat, you're separated from your parachute. I mean, that that wouldn't be uh, an exciting experience you agree? Flying a jet plane without a parachute. But you know what? I've discovered many do. They have no security of their future. They're not quite sure of where they're headed. They lack the security and it sucks the joy from, from many people's lives of, where am I going? And you know, sometimes we say, well, I'll just get my life right, right at the end of my life. I'll, I know there's a God and I'll, I'll just sort it out right at the end. And you know, you're probably right. You can not do that. But why not have joy of life now, here on earth as well? Why wait? And I've discovered that sometimes many people haven't got a choice in how they and when they die or when they go, and they don't know. Um, but I want to tell you, that Christ offers a safe landing. His parachute is assured, his security for the future is assured when we take up the invitation of Jesus Christ and receive him. Into our lives. Um, You know and I've kind of contemplated that many other religions offer something. Um, Judaism offers salvation based upon how good or bad you've been. Hinduism anticipates multiple reincarnations. And says you know one day you may come back as an animal. Or maybe in the past you've been somebody else. You know what? I'd just rather be who I am, live and die. I I just can't believe that I would have been a little rat crawling around one day, or will be. Buddhism grades your life to see if you have lived up to certain truths. And, And the Muslim faith says you've got to earn your way into Allah's good books by performing certain duties. No one but Jesus buckles you into the jet plane and gives that security of a safe landing in heaven. No one else except Jesus. And... And you notice all the other religions are based upon what you do. And Jesus says, it's not, belief in me isn't based on what you do. It's belief, based simply upon belief faith and we can struggle with that because we all like to think that we've earned our way we've all like to think that we've done the best we can and you know it's nothing wrong but you know what we're saved not by good works but we're certainly saved for good works and we want to do good things for God we want to do good things for fellow men. and you know and that's important but that will not make you a Christian no more than a hamburger sitting in a garage makes it a car would you agree so some historians place Christ on the same level as Moses or Muhammad or Confucius or any other spiritual leader. But Jesus refuses to share the same page with anybody else. And he declares, he declares this verse. He says um, in, in the next verse, there it is. Not that one. Not that one. Not that. There he says, he declares this, he says, I am... The way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except by me you know as i read that verse jesus could have said i know the way <laughs> or he could have said i'll show you the way but he speaks not of what he does but he speaks of who he is and he says i am the way have you ever thought of that he says i am the way it's through me. It's not ha- it's it's not it's not, you know, that I know the way or I can show you the way. I am the way. And you know, reality is is that God can show you a way and God can be all of those things. But literally and reality is is that when everything is said and done, he is the way. And he's not um, he's not one of the ways, he's that way. He's only one. It's through Jesus. It's not like there's many roads lead to Rome. In other words, we all have different beliefs. And when we follow our different beliefs, they'll all lead to God. No, no, it, it, it won't happen. It won't happen. Some people are going to get a pretty rude shock after death and said, I thought that I was going the right way. I want to tell you what the right way is through Jesus. And every path um, does not lead to God. Um, Jesus blazed a trail void of self-salvation, self-effort, Uh, trying to, you know, work our way and have a religious lifestyle, he said it's clearly one way, and that passageway is an uncluttered, it's uncluttered by human effort in any way, shape or form to receive salvation, that is. And we enter his way upon confession of our need, not the completion of any deed that we've done. In other words, it's a confession of our sin and saying, Jesus, I receive you into my life. I put my past And what I've done, and I realize that I failed, but God, I thank you that you forgive and you take me into a better future and you forgive and receive me. And I think that's incredible. He offers a unique invitation in which He works and we trust, and He died and we live, and He invites and we believe. And there's a good question there how do we believe? How do we believe? Well, you know what? We do what young Rick Hoyt's done with his dad. He turned to his father for help and he relied completely upon his father to push him across the finish line. And the wonderful thing about Rick and uh, and, um, his father is that when they cross the finish line, both received the medal. Even though his father put the effort in, they both share in the victory. And our God says, I want to share the victory with you that's been won through Jesus Christ. The victory of salvation, the victory of life. I want to share that victory. I want you to have it as well. I'm not going to just hold it to myself. I'm not going to live just, so, you know, God in heaven and us here as little ants on the earth just doing what God beckons. No, he says, I want you to enjoy the victory that I've won through Jesus, his death and his resurrection as well. And I think, wow, amazing. And your goodness, as I said, can't win God's approval No more than your badness could lose his approval. The only thing that will stop you is that you can resist his invitation. Simple as that, isn't it? And you might say, well, that's not so simple. That's a big step for some people. But I want to say it's a necessary step. It's a necessary step of his love towards us. And, you know, as I look at God's offer and invitation to us, I think, what does he offer to us? What can he do that no one else in the world can do for us? That no relationship will ever do for you? No job will ever do it for you? No amount of money in your bank will ever do for you? Not only even the greatest and the latest will ever do. What, what can he do that none of those things can do? Because all of those things offer something to us, to us. They offer some kind of security in life. But only the security for now. Where God offers security for now and the future. What can all God can do that none of that stuff can do? First, I think Jesus can offer us um, He can offer us a friendship, a friendship that knows the worst about you and yet still believes the best about you. That's a good friend, isn't it? When you've got a friend that knows the worst about you and yet still believes the best about you, I think that's a friend worth sticking to because Jesus sees you not as you are, but as you you will become when he gets through with you. What a great friend that would be. Not only does Jesus offer us friendship, but Jesus says, um, you have a past, and I can deal with the past. You can't go into your past and deal with all those failures and, and the struggles of life. But I can and I can wipe the slate clean and I can make it fresh. And and Jesus, you know, he's, and, and Jesus says, I'm the same yesterday and even today and even into the future. So I can continue to help you through life. And and because you have a past and you can't go back there and, and forgive yourself or well we can forgive ourselves, sorry, or you can't. No one else can wipe that slate clean, but I can. And I think that's a great friend and walk into those places of failure and sin, wipe it clean, and give us new beginnings. It doesn't mean we're going to have perfect life, but it does mean that we can at least know, walk in forgiveness and continual blessing that God wants us to walk in. And because we have a past, and I think that's a great friend that can help us with our past. I think he's a great just being a great friend that he wants to help us full stop. And lastly, because I think our God and our, can hold our future And I don't know what the future holds, but I want to tell you that you can know the God who holds that future. As I've said on many occasions, who else are you going to trust? In his hands, you can be secure and safe today, tomorrow, and all eternity. For his word says in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, and they're plans for good and not for what? Evil. To give you a future and a hope. And it just says this, and sometimes we don't quote the last bit of the verse but it says in those days when you pray I will listen I love that in those days when we pray God will listen do you know that God is not looking for a perfect uh, a person before we can talk to him about life he just wants you to talk to him he's there he's there isn't he all the time so tonight I want you to contemplate that invitation that he reaches out to us and, 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 you know, um, his invitation is pure. His invitation because he loves us. It's not because he wants to do us any evil or harm. He just wants to give us life. The invitation of salvation tonight, Andrea is going to make um, a response to that. And that is very much what baptism is. It's saying, hey, I'm putting my hand up and I'm going to respond because I want to go public with this commitment and response to Jesus. I want to say, hey, I'm a believer in Christ. Because we can make a response to Jesus in our heart, in our own home, or in our own bedrooms, we can do that. But I think baptism actually kind of seals the deal sometimes. It says, hey, I'm definitely a believer in Jesus Christ. But you know, I've discovered also that we can make public confessions of him. And I would make an invitation to you here tonight. I have no, I I, I make no, um, um, you know... uh, uh, I don't want to you know, make it less than it is, but I want to uh, help you to understand invitation means there needs to be a response. And your response tonight can be one of two things. To say, well, it's okay, I'm, I'm not ready for that. I'll live my own life. Or number two, I am ready and I need to respond to God tonight. And if you're saying that I don't, I'm right, I'll live my own life, please just be aware that life is not assured tomorrow. I hope that I do live tomorrow. I hope that I'm not hit by a truck. God forbid that any of us would be. But there is an unjust and terrible world we live in. And I just want to make sure that I'm right with God all the time. I'm not perfect before God, but I just want to be right with him. And he accepts us and he makes an invitation. And I make no excuses for giving, passing on that invitation to you tonight from God. And so tonight I just want to, Actually, Kate, would you just come to the piano? That'd be brilliant if you didn't mind. I just want to make that invitation. You know why? Because I know of the love that God has for humanity. And He reaches out to us. So, could we stand tonight? Could we just contemplate for a moment the reality of a simple message? You know that song? I didn't plan that song, but it talked about a simple gospel. Your gospel means good news. And you know, I've given you some good news tonight. It's a simple good news. And it's something, whether you're a believer or, 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 or a Christian or not tonight, that you need to never get tired of, of hearing or believing or taking it because that's the very, it's the very path that leads us to eternity, that simple message of Jesus. And tonight, I just wonder, if, if, well, I don't want to ask you, if you could please just close your eyes and give yourself a little bit of a moment to yourself and also give some, just a, a moment to everybody else around you. Just to contemplate this question, God would make an invitation through his son, Jesus Christ, tonight to receive him as his Lord and Savior. And I want to ask you tonight, if you're here And you've never received that, never accepted invitation. Would you do that tonight? Not for me, not for anybody else, but for yourself. And you can do that by simply just raising your hand. I'll see that hand. And you can put it back down again. Or maybe you're here tonight and you've accepted the invitation sometime in your life. And the truth is, is that you know you need to re-accept that invitation Because it's been a while since you've walked with God. And while God isn't out of your life altogether, out of the picture, the truth is is that he's become much more of a person in the background. And life has taken over and filled that gap in your life. All the experiences and all the busyness and probably many good things you do in life. But you know what? He makes life so much better when we put him as the priority. And so I would ask you tonight, would you consider, and I unashamedly, Say, would you accept the invitation he offers of eternal life through believing in Jesus Christ? And if you're here tonight and want to say yes to that, I'd love to just pray with you. Pray with you where you are tonight. And if you want to say yes, I'd love you to lift your hand. I'll see that hand. You can put it back down again. And I want to pray. Make a prayer together. Anybody tonight, just raise your hand. I can see that hand. You can put it down again. Anybody, invitation to Jesus. Don't sit in or stand there tonight in our stubbornness and sometimes say, no, I'm right. Because I'd hate to think that we miss an opportunity. God so loved the world. He didn't hate us. He so loved us that he reaches out. He reaches out. And the invitation is there. Anybody like this accept. I'll just wait a moment more. Father, I just pray. Just give people strength to say yes to Jesus. What's a wonderful thing. Let me pray. Father, I thank you right now for every person right here in this building. I thank you that you're the God of our yesterday, today, and our future. I thank you, God, that you offer us something that nobody else can offer us, no other belief system in the world can, and that's life now and life eternal. I thank you, Father, for that. I thank you for your Holy Spirit here. And I ask that you would just continue to draw us to yourself. And I ask that in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for the incredible moment we're going to have in a moment where we just baptize a person, and they go through the waters of baptism confessing you as their Lord. That's a wonderful thing. And we rejoice in that tonight. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. Why don't you just take your seats for a moment. We've we've been baptizing, we've baptized people Uh, Just not too many weeks ago, actually. It was great. Tonight. We're going to also uh, baptize someone else, which is brilliant. In a couple more weeks, we're going to baptize... Some people again, uh, I think on the 27th of November, people are going to be water baptized. So people are kind of responding to the Lord and making commitments, and, and it's brilliant to see. And, you know, as I said, baptism is a wonderful thing because it kind of acknowledges, number one, that we're identifying with Jesus. We identify with His, His death, His burial, His resurrection. We go into the water, and it very much is saying that I go down into the water in a sense dying to self, buried with Christ, coming up, raised, new life. And, uh, and, and that's a wonderful uh, um, identification with what Jesus has done for us. And, you know, I often think if Jesus, who was perfect in every way, was baptized into Jordan, how much more should we follow his example of baptism and you know, baptism—the water baptism—is in Jewish tradition. They actually used to wash their bodies clean to enter God's presence. That was a part of the ceremony of the Jewish um, priest and walking into the temple. And very much so, they understood the kind of the, the terminology of being washed and water baptism. But today, it's not a religious thing; it's a heartfelt thing. Saying, "I want to be and identify with Jesus." And so we're going to do that tonight, and um, in a moment we're uh, going, to get, going to get changed, and we're going to invite uh, Andrina to come and be water baptized. But I wonder if she'd like to just come up right now. Give her a hand as she comes. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Come and sit over here. It's okay. Fantastic. Well, Andrina, we've got to this point. I know that your two sisters were baptized like how long ago? Um, a year ago. A year ago, it was. And you said to me something about that, that you wanted to be baptized. Why? <laughs> Can you remember what you said? You said because you want to do, do it on your, for yourself. So I want to <laughs> do it for myself and not because others are doing it. Walking away from <laughs> Don't worry, it doesn't bite. Yeah, I think that's a very important thing. And you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, I do. Good. And, and what has it meant for you just to be a Christian? I know that's a big question, but just give it a thought. What's it meant to you? Mm. <laughs> that there's always a say if you're with me. And that... No matter what situation I am, I know I can always find a way out. Amen. Well, he certainly is. He is the way. Brilliant. Well, it's exciting. You're very aware that I've known your mum and dad for many decades. So this is kind of like a family thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought I'd be you know, baptising their children, but it's wonderful. So we're going to baptise you. And so we're going to take just a moment. Uh, to go and uh, get changed. Is that okay? So just spend a few moments talking amongst yourself. That would be great. And we'll be, be back in about three or four minutes. And uh, thank you very much. Let's go and get changed.